Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to a special season of What the Flock. We've spent five seasons covering the topics that have caused so much damage. People don't come to church anymore. This season, our goal is to repair the Bible's reputation by taking specific Bible verses that have been abused due to man-made tradition and help you understand the ultimate answer for these verses. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swakowski. It's kind of hard to... to feel like you're my co-host. <laughs> Why is that? And that you're not the host of this. I know that I talk first, but truly, the uh, what makes this special, in my opinion, is your teaching. So thanks for being here, Joel. Oh, well, thanks. I'm yeah. It's great, great to be working on this stuff with you. This season's been spectacular, and I know my faith in the Bible has increased through these episodes. It's it's a blast. Yeah. Things things are making more and more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a, I had a conversation with a friend today and we were talking about different Bible verses and I showed him how this verse that was way over here was connected to this verse way over here in two different places and go, hey, it's the same principle. They all connect at the doctrine level. So nice. And he was like, oh, wow, awesome. it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, so if you cool. haven't listened to seasons one through five, I encourage you to do so. Everything we're going to discuss during this season is built on the foundation of the previous five seasons. So at the very least, we highly recommend listening to the episodes that are referenced during this episode. Yeah, because these uh, 75 episodes are definitely foundational to helping us interpret these verses the right way. and. In those 75 episodes, we repeatedly were shown that every issue has two perspectives that distract people from God's intended answer, the ultimate answer of what these verses are meant to meant to teach us. We called those the strict and the loose perspectives. So just an overview real quick. The strict perspective initiates conflicts with God's word by saying that they know the correct interpretation for sure. Yet when contradictions are exposed, they rationalize those contradictions away. So the biggest example of this is you're a sinner and that although you can't earn your salvation by works, you better do works to prove your salvation. We see this as a contradiction rationalizer. Then there's the loose side or the loose perspective. They avoid conflict in general, the loose side does. But in the context of interpreting God's word, they avoid conflict with God's word by saying, you know what, we can't know anything for sure. Because really there's no answer given or the answer that is, is beyond our understanding. It's a paradox or too complex for our human brains to get. But their contradiction is that They still want to tell you that you're wrong, Mm -hmm. that they know for sure that you're wrong. So we see these people as contradiction enablers. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Joel. What are the verses that we're going to be covering today? Some more from the letter to the Romans by our friend, Apostle Paul. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, 
these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Excellent. So in order to look at these verses and how they've damaged the reputation of the Bible, or in other words, how man has taken away from what God intended with this verse, we've recorded messages from two of our favorite callers from the first five seasons. First, the strict explanation is given by Apostle Tater from McMullen, Alabama. Let's hear what Apostle Tater has to say. God knew ahead of time who would love him. He's always known who he would glorify, even before he created the world. Joel, how would you respond to Apostle Tater's perspective? I'd want this person to listen to the God's Nature series, starting season two, episode one. And even the salvation episode, season two, episode 14, you know, people who are on this side need to understand what moves God. And although God gets credit for salvation, humans are responsible. Excellent. And next, the loose perspective is given by Pastor Rich from McMullen, Alabama. Let's hear what Pastor Rich has to say. Well, you know, God predestined everyone to eventually end up in heaven, you know, because, again, love wins. Joel, how would you respond to that perspective? Well, here, uh, similar, I would want this person to listen to God's Nature series, but in particular, the God is Love episode, season two, episode one. Also, the Salvation episode. So ultimately, these people need to understand that love is not in God's nature, that although God is loving, love isn't his nature. If it was, he would be an enabler and an abuser. And like the strict side, this side also misunderstands salvation. Got it. So let's summarize the damage where we're at right now. The strict side doesn't understand God's nature. And the loose side doesn't understand love. And both sides don't understand salvation. Right. So what steps should we take to get the correct interpretation, Joel? Well, let's get into the steps we use. But before we do, I mean, last episode, we got to the fourth of five steps needed to interpret every passage. So... We added a fourth verse, or more accurately, I should say, you added a fourth verse to the ditty. Hmm? Would you give us a reminder of the ditty before we get into the steps? A ditty reminder. Yes. This is a public service announcement for your ditty reminder. (laughs) (laughs) What does the Bible say? Did the English translation get in the way? Why don't you look at the context? Find out the scriptures you need. And Ooh. and er, er, put on the brakes. Well, we'll That's see. Where we're at. I love it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. A nice memory tool there. So yeah, we'll be love using it. the same five-step process every passage of season. We've made it to four out of the five. So let's start. Number one, what does the Bible actually say? I will just confirm for all of you, yes, these verses are in fact in the Bible. 
there's some variations in translations, but nothing too like, for instance, the difference between saying foreordained or predestined. But we will move on to step two to remove any of that conflict anyways. Step two is what does the original language say? Regardless of what version of the Bible you use, whether it says predestined or foreordained, that's the word we're going to look at specifically in step number two. What does the original language say for predestined or foreordained? It's from a Greek word that means to limit in advance. Interesting, huh? It is. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. So now that doesn't clear up everything. So we will move on to step number three. What's the context? We will bring in the verses before or after the verses that we identified as the ones that have been damaged. In particular here, instead of just dealing with Romans 8, 28 through 30, we will go through verse 34. So let's start with 28 again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All right, if you love God and you follow his influence, he can turn any situation you are in into something that bears fruit. Notice there's two qualifiers in this verse. One, love God. Two, called according to his purpose which we can see that as grace. Listen to the grace episode if you need to, but it's yep. the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. All right. And also in verse 28, the word good meant it bore fruit. It was profitable. Check out the profitability episode if you need to understand that better. But it is a misinterpretation and man-made tradition to say that this verse means that God can unilaterally make situations what they were meant to be, regardless of what any person did to screw that situation up. Mm. This not only denies the existence of the two qualifiers in that verse, it denies the context of the previous seven chapters of the letter to the Romans. Now, more subtly, God will not restore a situation to what it could have been if we originally acted apart from his influence. A way to see this is to imagine God intended for you to do something that would have resulted in you gaining $100. Okay. Instead, you did what you wanted to do something different than what God wanted you to do. And instead of gaining $100, you end up spending $5. Okay. All right. If you are one of these people who love God and are called according to his purpose, in other words, you love God and you listen to and, and adhere to his influence, God will be able to make the situation that you spent $5 in result in you gaining at least $1. So notice, instead of it costing you $5, God can make the situation good or profitable, meaning at least gain $1. Hmm. However, this verse doesn't mean 
nor will that situation result in the $100 that God originally intended for you. So these situations that God can make good doesn't mean that he'll be able to make them as good as originally intended if you messed it up in the first place. But God can take our messes and still make some good out of it. Right. All right, then verses 29 through 30. Which again, these are the these these including verse 28 are the three we're really hammering down here. This says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, an important point which actually calls in the context, right? Romans chapter 8 was concerned with believers. God foreknew everyone. Otherwise, he is not God. Mm -hmm. Paul made the case that God provided everything a person would need to attain salvation, which meant God foreordained or predestined, called, and justified everyone. Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross resulted in everyone having the ability to be justified. Right. Because he paid for the sins of all, right? Mm-hmm. However, it was up to the individual to choose to believe this by faith. So every believer was glorified justified, called, predestined, and foreknown by God. However, every non-believer was foreknown, predestined, called, and justified. So what's missing for the non-believer? Being glorified. Nice. Now, can you get a sense of the the requirement for having a found a foundation of God's doctrine in order to interpret this accurately. Yeah. Because Paul doesn't explicitly state that in the verse. I kind of understand why people would be confused about this. But the word glory means intrinsic value and it resulted in thinking well of. So being glorified would mean the individual thought well of the value within God, enough to let God's influence direct his actions, which would cause God then to value and think well of the individual. So we know, really the the conflict here is we know everyone was justified, right? Because of Jesus' death on the cross, paid for the sins of everyone. Everyone was able to receive that justification because of that sacrificial death. But not everyone will be glorified. So that's really the conflict is how do so we need to understand what being glorified means. So notice the verse immediately preceding this, verse 28, which we hit on showed there are two qualifiers to God taking a bad situation and making it good. Those two qualifiers were love God 
be called according to his purpose. These qualifiers can be seen as the cause of or the behavior required in order to glorify God. So remember, verse 28, how do we take a bad situation and make it good? Or in other words, an example of that, how God can take a sinful situation and make it into something good through salvation? These qualifiers for God allowing sinful people to receive this benefit of salvation are the same. Loving God, which takes faith, and being called according to his purpose, which takes grace. Right. So faith and grace are the qualifiers that we can see as glorifying God. Faith and grace, as we know, are the causes of salvation. Cool. So again, a lot of this verse comes down to what, what does it take to be glorified? Now, moving on, we saw the word predestined meant to limit and advance. This did not mean that every thought and action you ever had or will have was planned out before you were born. For example, males are predestined not to bear children. I was limited in advance as a male. In this passage, predestined meant that everyone was limited in advance to end up in only one of two places for eternity. Limited in advance, you're going to either end up in the New Jerusalem or the Lake of Fire. You are limited in advance of those two eternal destinations. Mm -hmm. Where you end up out of those two options is dependent on your choice. So people with the Calvinistic or deterministic worldview create their own doctrine of predestination to mean that God decided every individual's eternal habitation ahead of their birth, and there was nothing the individual could have done about it. So that would be as if, one, people who were predestined by God to end up in the New Jerusalem will end up there whether they want to or not. Or two, people who are predestined by God to end up in the lake of fire will end up there no matter what they choose or want, even if they love God and are following grace. Hmm. So this Calvinistic perspective interprets verse 29 and 30 backwards. What they would say is only those who were glorified were justified and only those who were justified were called etc cetera, etc cetera. so again the only way to misinterpret these verses in this fashion is to ignore the previous seven chapters of the book of romans and the previous 28 verses in chapter 8 and especially verse 28 which gives the two qualifiers for how a person can be glorified that's cool wouldn't verse 28 just say god decides who's glorified or not, instead of giving these qualifiers of how God can take a bad situation and turn it into something good. Yeah. And so it again, does. It's, it starts off with the, here's what you need to do. Right. So yeah, context is crucial and we're mm -hmm. still, and all we've done so far, Jonathan, is we've gone through the three verses that we identified as the three verses we were directly handling. 
So let's get into some verses that come after the ones we focused on in order to get even a clearer picture. So verses 31 and 32 say this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? <laughs> nice. Yeah. I tried I to see, emphasize I, it even as yeah, I read I see it. it. I see it. You can see Christ was delivered up for us all, right? Every person who has, is, and will ever live. Then verses 33 and 34. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So God justified all, and Christ also makes intercession for us. Again, two more verses that show that God does not condemn people against their will. These verses specifically stated that God and Jesus supplied everything necessary for salvation for everyone, for all. Mm -hmm. Now, you may remember we did an episode earlier this season on Romans 8, 38, and 39. Those verses said this, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Go ahead and listen to that episode again. I think these two episodes in particular are going to work well in conjunction with one another. But we can see these verses, Romans 8, 28 through 30, that are given the, especially given us these qualifiers required in order for us to be glorified by God, are setting up even further the ultimate answer to the interpretation behind Romans 8, 38, and 39. Pretty incredible. But is that all we need? Seems the big issue is with being glorified. So let's look to step number four again to clear this up. What we want to do is go to scriptures outside of the context of this passage. Doing this will help us understand in a different context another mention of glorified that will help us prove out or confirm whether or not our interpretation is correct. So we're going to go to Romans all the way back to Romans chapter 1. Now you could argue it's all in the same context because it is in the same letter, but we're talking seven chapters earlier. Romans 1 had a critical passage that stated the ultimate cause of people being non-believers. Hmm. So Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 said this, For the invisible things of him since the creation of the world are clearly seen, being perceived through the things that are made, even his everlasting power and divinity, that they may be without excuse, the unbeliever be without excuse. Because that... Knowing God, they glorified him not as God, neither gave thanks, but became vain in their reasonings and their senseless heart was darkened. So Paul taught that non-believers glorified him not as God. 
the non-believers unwillingness to receive this justification by faith was the reason the non-believer was not glorified. It was a choice. Mm-hmm. Now, God did not think well of non-believers in response. So God's wrath is against them. God valued those in response to who valued him. Yeah, justice and resting, right? Right. God's resting and he's just. He's responding justly yeah. to those who initiate. Absolutely. And that's that's Paul's point here as it relates to how are we glorified. It's in response to whether we receive the justification of Christ. Mm-hmm. So all of Romans after chapter one is based on the criteria for being glorified by God or not. Remember Romans chapter eight was focused on those who can, who chose to continually walk according to the spirit and not the flesh. Or in other words, those who continually chose to love God and walk according to his purpose. This was the cause of being glorified. Nice. And what better value is there than continually walking according to the spirit and not the flesh? So whether or not you are glorified depends on whether or not you choose to see the value within God enough to walk by his spirit. Or in other words, whether or not you live by faith and grace. So remember... We strive to be contradiction removers. In reality, contradictions do not exist. These steps slowly are bringing us through exposing and removing any contradictions that man has introduced into the Bible. So again, we had another section of verses that required not all five, but it did require four of the five steps. Could you give us a reminder one more time, Jonathan, of what the ditty is? What does the Bible say? Did the English translation get in the way? Why don't you look at the context? Find all the scriptures you need and something is coming later. Nice. Oh, I like the twang on that one. You know, that's my... <laughs> uh transatlantic voice <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> we're at my favorite part joel what's the ultimate answer ultimate answer god predestined everyone to either end up in the lake of fire or the new jerusalem you receive glorification from god when you in faith choose to walk according to his spirit and not according to your flesh you are loving God by helping him bring about his will. And everyone has access to this choice, which is a great example of God taking a bad situation and making it good. The Bible does have conflicts in what is stated. However, what we have seen time and time again, if you have the right interpretation, what you see is that the Bible does not have contradictions in the why or in the doctrine. Thank you, Joel. This has been What the Flock. If you'd like a deeper study of this verse and how to deal with people who believe the man-made traditional perspectives, listen to the Music of Life Church podcast companion episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.